This is The Braither Point. The PSYOP has peaked. The COVID cult collapsing. The Great Reset retreating. The pandemic paused. The fanatics failing or falling dead. Schwab said a rare, narrow window, and it is closing. The new normal demands constant crisis, but the actors are exhausted. The talking heads spent. Pedo Joe's drones on about get vaxxed, but nobody's listening. Today's trannies to exist in tyranny must appear not to. Like Vare's metrics, it's vanishing before our eyes. But make no mistake, the deep state like a diseased dog will lash out, desperate and dying to take any and all with it. The sheep are already sheared. The masked morons murdered. Now, it's the free and faithful against the drugged up, dumbed down, walking dead. And that is when it goes kinetic. Violence settles everything. I'm a retired SOCOM soldier, former DIA intelligence collector, and ex-DEA special agent, targeted by the deep state turned whistleblower, now your intelligence officer, repurposed as chaplain, leader, teacher, and truth teller. New mission, restore our fallen republic. Objective, defeat the deep state. Means, expose fake news. Tools, truth, discernment, and free will. Attention, deep state Dems, rhinos, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and assorted traitors and enemies, foreign and domestic. Your masks won't silence us. Your shutdowns won't stop us. Your riots don't scare us. You're not as organized as the British. You're not as disciplined as the Nazis. You're not as fierce as the Japanese. You're not as brutal as ISIS. We beat them all. You're next. Welcome. I'm Jeff Prather, and this is the Prather Point. Welcome, everybody. Um, Got some great guests today. And uh, before we get to that final option of uh, kinetic uh, violence, we have to do everything before that. And that's why I don't talk much about that, because I am an expert in violence. I spent my whole career in uh, violence. But uh, the, the goal is to prove that our justice system is either salvageable or irreparable. But where justice is the topic, there can be no middle ground based upon political affiliations. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And it is our duty to bestow a working nation based upon liberty and justice to future generations. To that end, we work diligently to get the information we've amassed and continue to amass before a grand jury by any means necessary. Our goal is to prove criminal data fraud so that Fauci and friends are thoroughly investigated and held to account for their alleged crimes. Our goal is to prove willful misconduct so that the families of the injured by the gene-modifying shots have a pathway to breach the legal protections Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson currently enjoy, thanks to 42 U.S.C. 300A11, 42 U.S.C. 300A22, and the PREP Act. Willful misconduct is the only concept that breaches these protections to reestablish accountability for wrongdoing. And uh, that is a quote to my great guest here, Dr. Henry Ely. Welcome. And also to Keith Wilkins, who I think, if I recall, we unmasked you on the Prather Point as political moonshine. Is that, I got that right, right? Yes, sir. That's right. And so that was a, a big deal. And you are a big deal and, and doing great stuff. Uh, and Dr. Ely, this is your first time, but I'm very impressed to say the least. Uh, by what you are doing and bringing to the table. Uh, and, you know, what they're doing is uh, they've got a grand jury uh, request in 
the District of Oregon Portland Division in Deep State, Feral State, Feral City Central. Uh, got, uh, and they're going after all the top state, deep state guys. Uh, the Robert Redfield, the Rochelle Wensky, Alex Zarr, Javier Becerra, uh, Brian Moyer, all the deep state heads. And they've got um, Oregon senators uh, on board with them uh, as well. So you guys have done your homework. Uh, and you are not afraid to go right after in uh, Blantifa Central. That's Black Lives Matter Antifa, Blantifa. I haven't checked <laughs> today, but Antifa still probably goes to whitehouse.gov. Um, but very impressive. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for having us. We really appreciate being on. Thanks again, Mr. So, Prather. Appreciate it. Yeah, we, there's so much to cover today. I am so impressed with the work you guys are doing. Uh, so uh, I'm looking at your um, grand jury petition uh, synopsis, uh, and I'm a big Mark Twain fan. I just read Captain Stormfield's Visit to Heaven to my kids the other day. <laughs> awesome. Uh, great. But um, there are three kinds of lies, uh, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Uh, but why don't you walk us through uh, your – grand jury petition synopsis and give us a background of what you are trying to accomplish. Because I was just on the phone the other day with my good friend and uh, real reporter, Harry, the Greek who wants to uh, put a case out there. And I'm like, that's too direct. That'll never work. Uh, but you may have just proved me wrong because you guys are taking on everything and your, your organization uh, is incredible and your detail uh, is incredible. So please, I'll, I will uh, hand the floor over to you. Well, you know, uh, we appreciate that. And I, I think one of the references you had was to the Nazis, right? This is this is some Nazi level stuff. It's poorly executed, but some Nazi level stuff. And you have to go to their minister of propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, right? And, and historically, what did he say? Tell a lie and tell a big lie and then people will believe it. That's what they've done. They've told a big lie. But see, the thing about Joseph Goebbels before he took his own life, like the coward he was, um, you know, what he said was, the truth always comes out. And that's where we've been hanging our hat. The truth is going to come out. We just got to be patient and we got to be poised and ready to, to spring when we get that opportunity. So we've gone through a lot of mechanisms here. The first thing we started in uh, in way back in March of 2020, uh, I'm a former data analyst, you know, in a previous life. And so I said, you know, people are going to start freaking out over this. This looks like they're pushing the go button on their agenda uh, 21, let's let's get in the game. You know, so we start looking at data all around the world. We looked at Italy. We looked at uh, South Korea. We looked at China. We could ultimately couldn't trust the Chinese data, obviously. But um, when you start doing data analysis, there's simple analysis, right? How many people, how many new cases a day? How many new hospitalizations? How many new deaths? Simple analysis. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to build a bell-shaped curve and show how long is this going to last so we can not we can calm Americans down because Americans are going to freak on this, right? What we saw in Italy was a rise and then a, a drop in about 40 days. Same thing, South Korea, a rise and a drop. And those two countries were a couple weeks ahead of us. So we started plotting all the United States data as it was coming in and people were losing their minds. And we saw the same rise and then we started to see a drop. But then on April 14th, something dramatic happened in the data. We saw a secondary rise in new cases. That hadn't been seen anywhere in the world before. And I said, I'm a data analyst. I have to be able to explain why. Is this legitimate rise or is somebody cooking the books? 
Well, we went digging and the CDC published this little known document called the from the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists called um, their position statement on and creating clinical diagnostic criteria for COVID. So I went and I looked at this document and I said, well, wait a second. A single cough is all is required for a doctor to diagnose COVID? Wait a minute. The same person can be counted multiple times over and over and over again as a new case? That's fraud. That's that's data fraud right there. So we started publishing on this as we would, you know, learn more and learn more. And what we ultimately found out, Mr. Prather, is that they violated, the CDC directly violated three federal laws to do this. You see, the CDC is required when they make a change to data, they're required by the Administrative Procedures Act, the Paperwork Reduction Act, and the Information Quality Act to ensure that what they are publishing is accurate above all. But they're also required before they even make changes to go through federal oversight and open up public comment. Neither of those things happened on these changes. So they violated the law. When we looked a little closer at that Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists, this, I'm going to call it the CSTE document. When we looked a little closer on it, lo and behold, what did we find? Subject matter experts were, were provided by the CDC to this little known nonprofit organization. And it got me thinking, why in the world would the CDC, with all these PhDs in the building, outsource the definition for what constitutes a COVID case to this little known nonprofit? That'd be like somebody coming to my nonprofit school and saying, yeah, why don't you define what it's going to be for the entire country? That's preposterous, right? Well, that's what the, the CDC did. They gave this little nonprofit organization all of these subject matter experts so they could write what they wanted on it. And, Jay, and Robert Redfield signed off on it, on the document. And it was just clear fraud, clearly in violation of federal laws. And so we said, okay, there's something major here. We actually wrote a uh, paper and it got peer reviewed, published by IPAC Journal in October of 2020. It was reviewed by nine attorneys and a judge in addition to the peer review process. And we published it. USA Today tried to take it down. They couldn't. No one has been able to challenge what we have published. So I reached into my own pockets and informed every U.S. attorney ahead of time for this reason. We knew that what they were going to try to do was steal the election. They were going to try to steal the election by through mail-in ballots because this is an emergency, which it was never an emergency. All right. So I informed the uh, Trump administration. We informed every U.S. attorney. We got zero back on it. Zero back. So I said, OK, maybe we're doing something wrong. We're novices at this game. Let's relook at this. Got in touch with Senator Dennis Linticum, Senator Kim Thatcher, informed them about it. They were already all over this, knowing that there was something wrong, but they couldn't put their fingers on all of it. So we laid it out for them and they went, holy, you know what? And they said, well, what are we going to do about it? I said, well, why don't we try you both issuing a direct letter on your letterhead to the U.S. attorney in this state? His name is Scott Asfog. This happened in August of 2021. And let's see what happens. Now, We've already informed the Trump administration unsuccessfully. We already attempted to inform every U.S. attorney. We actually already had informed the Department of Justice on this. No, just crickets on all of this. This is jaw-dropping bomb. This is, a, this is a bomb. And nobody cared. So the senators inform 
Scott Asfog. And instead of him impaneling a grand jury as he's required to by law, he sent it back to the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice told the senators to kick rocks. So then we said, okay, well, we can't take that. What are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to do something that's never been done in case law history that we can find. We are going to file a grand jury petition through the federal courts, and we're going to force the judges, that whoever gets this, to either rule in favor of our right to petition, which is protected by the First Amendment and 18 U.S.C. 3332 and a whole bunch of other laws that we've cited, or he's, he's going to demonstrate or she is going to demonstrate that our justice system is so corrupt that we have to tear it all down. And so that's where and, we sit right now. Let me stop you there. For, and so that is the statement of your grand jury petition synopsis. What's our goal, which I read mm-hmm. at the beginning, either it's or irreparable. Right. Am I we, with you? You're a hundred percent. We're going to prove that we can fix it. And justice is just slow because see, our founding fathers did something very wise. They get so much flack nowadays in this cancel culture crap that we live in. But what they did was they installed a unofficial fourth branch, an unofficial fourth branch that Chief Justice Scalia in 1992 confirmed belongs to the people, the United States grand jury system. And the grand jury system was specifically installed as a court of inquiry with an ability to determine its own jurisdiction just for these types of situations where a government corrupt and tyrannical has run amok so that the people have a peaceful means with which to get those people out and install a better functioning group of people for our governance. So we're resting on that. Like I'm with you. We have to explore every avenue. And if all these avenues are blocked, well, you know, the writing's on the wall and we know what we got to do. But until that time, until we've explored every avenue, we have to take an approach like this and seek justice through our U.S. grand jury system because they have unprecedented powers to fix these wrongs. And we need to make sure that we can empower them and educate them on not only what they need to do, but what they have the power to do. And that's where we want to put ourselves in front of the grand jury. Uh, That is really impressive. And so you know, I get a lot of flack from, um, usually they're not even ex-military, but uh, tough guys talking tough as opposed to veterans like myself. And, you know, talking tough is not being tough. Um, everybody wants to be a warrior until it's time to be a warrior and do warrior stuff. And then it's really bad. Violence is the final option. Uh, and we're not there yet. And we have to go through every justification. So that's what one of the many things I love about um what you are saying here, but you know, we've a term I use on the cast is Scalia, uh, because I believe uh, that he was Scalia with the pillow over the over the he head. Was. I also yep. believe, I also use the term Salist, which is the judge in New York um, mm-hmm. who was going to do the stuff, and her uh, son and husband were shot by a FedEx coverall guy in a FedEx truck, and that's clearly a wet works uh, operation. Uh, so they've already. And so for the audience, uh, the title of this cast uh, is The Crucible and Conundrum of uh, Catastrophe, which is leadership by the most corrupt. And the conundrum of that is what do you do when it's that most corrupt? And 
you, you can't get much more incompetent or corrupt than pedo Joe because he is a pedo. But the but the um, crucible of that are my two guests here. Is uh, they are being um, tempered in this environment, and so there's a lot that are going to fail, but there's a lot that are going to be tempered. The sheep are going to fall aside, but the sheepdogs are are going to grow strong and hard for whatever, what, whether it's legal or extra legal, uh, whatever. And so that's that's where we're talking about today. Uh, the poor kid that was killed in um, North uh, South Dakota, uh, because the, if you're a leftist, you can kill anybody anytime. That's an inflection point. I wrote that on TA homework today because in South Dakota, that's not uh, New York or, or California. That's an area where uh, cowboys and Indians uh, dispense cowboy and Indian justice uh, mm-hmm. normally. That's mm-hmm. something to pay attention. But um, so uh, I think I'm following your your setup here for your grand jury petition. And I'm also really impressed that uh, what a lot of people don't understand is whether you're talking to a general admiral or president or whatever, is they've got this constellation of staff around them that control them. I'm not sure what the story is with Trump. I hear things both ways but that you got to Oregon senators uh, is very impressive. And the team you've built uh, of intelligence and resources uh, and researchers uh, and doctors and attorneys is, is very impressive uh, right in the middle of, of the deep state, you know, Atlanta uh, central. So uh, uh, how do you play into this um, Keith? <laughs> Well, it's pretty simple. Dr. Ely's the boss and I follow orders. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not much different than, um, the, what we talked about the, the first two times I appeared on your show. Um, you know, I've, I have for a long time done my own, uh, work and research. It's just an area of, of personal interest to me. And, and as we were talking about before the show, um, the broader, bo- the broader body of work into COVID, uh, just through outreach in my local community when I was living in Bend, uh, led to an introduction to uh, Senator Lenticum, which then led to an introduction and a meeting to um, or with Dr. Ely. And uh, from there, I was extended an invitation to, to join that team. And so I continue to do my, my own stuff on the side at the same time that um, I, I make my priority uh, serving, um, serving our team leader, Dr. Ely, and the senators and everybody else that's a part of our team and our effort. Yeah, Mr. Prather, I can I can I speak on Keith? He's being super modest. This is Please. quite simply on your show, one of the finest researchers we have in the entire country. You know, I agree. Um, yeah, his his work is beyond reproach. It's impeccable. It's always accurate, you know, and we have very simple team rules, you know, and I, I appreciate being called the boss. We, we're, we're definitely a collective, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I'm privileged to be in, in a leadership role on the team, but we have very simple rules. Always be accurate. Always be kind. Never put yourself above the mission and produce. 
And so we have, you know, anybody who can't cut the mustard doesn't make the team. We've had to let some people go, you know, and and that's all right. But when we, what we do is we get a group of Americans that care. We get a group of Americans from a variety of backgrounds that show that it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your freaking political affiliation. It matters whether you give a damn or not. And we have a group of people who give a damn and are talented and what they do and it works. Um, and I think it's a model for all teams out there because there's a lot of teams out there doing some good things, but it's a model that we can replicate so that we can be even more effective out there because what we have at our doorstep is really guerrilla warfare right now where you're hitting, we got to hit on multiple fronts, which we are doing, you know, but some at least modicum of coordination collaboration would make all the difference in the world. Cause once somebody punches through, whether it's us or somebody else, we're going to back whoever punches through first and we're ready to go, you know, um, and that's got to be our attitude in here, right? We got to win this, you know, so um, we're in it for, we're in it for the win and we're in it for, we aren't in it for the glory. The glory goes to God. We're in it for our country. We love our country and we love God and, and uh, we love all the kids and believe all the kids in this country deserve to have a chance at the same freedom we were born into. Amen. That's great. So you're exactly right. Guerrilla warfare. I, I say that's fourth generational warfare. That is a resistance movement that we are in a resistance movement in our own country against our own government. It's a uh, nonviolent, um, ethical, moral, legal, as opposed to them, which are totally unethical, immoral, uh, violent, illegal all the time uh, because an array of adversaries uh, China nation state, um, big pharma, big tech, transnational organizations, transnational drug cartels, transnational human smuggling cartels, an array of uh, uh, enemies aligned against us. And the, and the CCP says they beat the United States in a war in 2020. Um, so I agree totally with ex- everything you're saying. Uh, and this is lawfare uh, is what I would call mm-hmm. this uh, mm-hmm. in my uh, and so uh, walk us through uh, the timeline of the grand jury petition uh, and and where you're at uh, on that. And, and the other thing I want to say to the audience is, so neither of these guys are military. I see this all the time on Team America is, well, I'm not military. I'm not sure. You don't need to be military. Um, you know, all you need to do, be is just like Dr. Ely said, is you, you be uh, a faith-filled American uh, who believes in uh, – children and family and God and country uh, and go from there. You don't need to be, have a, a military background or, or anything like that uh, at all. Um, it all starts with citizen soldiers and citizen warriors, really. You don't even have to be in a military uh, or a militia. Before the, there was, before the country, before America, there was a continental army. Before the army, there was militia. Before the militia, there were warriors standing up. So that's kind of where we're at. But but please walk us through the timeline now of the of the petition and to bring us up to where you're at. Uh, gladly, and I, I will add just one thing if it's okay to that. What we do need though is a code. You have to have a code that you live by, and I think that's what I love about everybody in our team. We have a code. All right. So, um, with that being said, we filed the petition on March seventh of this year. Well, right. I want to hear your code. Because oh, my code. code is my my code is Ten Christian Commandments, Three Native Commandments, uh, which makes America, which is exceptional life of love and freedom that we'll fight, kill, and die for that. But I want to hear your code. 
Well, first of all, I'm digging your background, and I, I and I noticed the belt in the background too. So, you know, I know you're a bad man with the hands too. So, um, you know, here's here's the deal. The code is uh, the code for me that I I recite are 22 principles that I take myself through every day. Um, no harm, truth, no stealing, loving communication, compassion, endurance, humility, forgiveness, cleanliness, uh, building unity, and eating an organic moderate diet. I don't want any of that pesticide crap in my body, right? It messes up the mind. And then uh, the others I go into are austerity, appreciation, modesty, charity, sacrifice, discernment, japa, which is healthy habits every day, uh, celebration of God, listening to my heart's first thought, being kind every day, and trusting and believing in the perfection of God's work and uh, his plan for all of us. You know, I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to do the work, right? And I think if we embrace basically a selfless approach to how we um, carry ourselves, that we're going to get where we got to go. I've been teaching for the last couple of years on this is very simple. The only way that these evil Luciferians win is if we let hate in our hearts. So I'm not fighting against them. I'm fighting for. I'm fighting for the love of my family, the love of my faith, the love of my country. I'm fighting for something. And there are things worth fighting for and risking your life for. And we are not kidding ourselves. We're risking our lives right now, right? But uh, I think God wears a t-shirt and it says, I got this. So I'm going to go with God. <laughs> and that's my that's basically my approach. Excellent. Yes. And uh, <laughs> so you're a martial artist to recognize. But that's a master belt for my handgun martial arts uh, mm -hmm. center, which I founded. Uh, I am a Dai Shihan in the Bujinkan but I'm not the uh, Soke, the, the father or grandmaster of that. But uh, thanks for noticing. Uh, Keith, anything you want to add there? <laughs> yeah, I'd just uh, remind Dr. Ely still has the obligation to walk us through that timeline. <laughs> yeah, let me get to the work here. Because right? we don't get to talk shop, so talking shop is always fun, right? Um, so timeline, um, we get into, uh, you know, we've, we've published a peer reviewed paper in October, 2020. We've worked with the senators in October, uh, 2021. We published another peer reviewed paper. We started putting on educational events through my school, the energetic health Institute, uh, with, uh, Stanford health freedom, with organic consumers association, with, uh, church of glad tidings in, in Yuba city. Uh, we've put on four major events. I've done hundreds of interviews around the country, around the world. Uh, really, and um, all to bring awareness. And so what we did was it all culminates in, on March 7th, we filed a 63-page grand jury petition fully cited with a 1,000 pages of exhibits uh, substantiating our, our position on how the CDC and the HHS uh, collaborated to modify death certificates illegally and how that led to as much as a 94% hyperinflation of the COVID death count. Um, that it's just criminal fraud and willful misconduct when you get right down to it. And how the HHS backed up the uh, CDC two days later. Um, the CDC did this on March 24th, 2020. March 26, 2020, the HHS highly incentivizes a COVID diagnosis in every hospital. You get more money for a COVID diagnosis if you put COVID on a diagno uh, diagnostic billing code. You get way more money back. If you put somebody in a ventilator, you get even more money back. And if somebody dies and they had COVID on there, you get even more money. So they put this, they installed this entire financially incentivized system of compliance uh, 
And anybody who wanted to speak out about it, they charged all of the medical boards like um, Senator uh, uh, Scott Jensen, you know, in Minnesota. He was uh, attacked by his uh, his uh, medical board for his license as he's also a doctor. And he used our peer reviewed paper to exonerate himself. They couldn't argue our peer reviewed paper on it. So, you know, when we get down to it, um, you know, we've, we put all this information in about the death certificates and the fraud, about the, the position statement that the CDC put in for case definitions and the fraud with that and, and its ramifications, right? Because they're lying with statistics, right? They're making things up. They're cooking the books. So, um, you know, that once you file that, the defendants get 60 days because we have to serve them. So we served everybody. And uh, then they asked for another 60 days, of course, and the judge gave it to him, which is not uncommon, right? It's no big deal. You know, judge gave him another 60 days uh, and then um, they filed late. (laughs) So after they got 120 days to file their motion to dismiss our petition, they filed it late um, and their excuse was that their dog was sick. Can't make this up. This is actually in a court document. Okay, their dog was sick. Um, never mind that the U.S. Department of Justice assigned Scott Asfog, who we told needed to investigate this, assigned him initially to defend the people that we're accusing of these crimes. So that's an obvious conflict of interest by the Department of Justice. You, U.S. attorneys are supposed to defend the people, not people who are accused. OK, um, so they took him off the case, Mr. Prather, and uh, they took him off the case on July 13th. And uh, reassigned him. They reassigned him to Nairobi, Kenya, because they don't want him anywhere near this case, right? <laughs> so he gets resigned to Nairobi, Kenya, four days later on uh, July seventeenth. So he's now in Nairobi, Kenya. We can't, you know, we can't uh, subpoena him. I guess, or I guess we can. It'd just be a lot harder. But um, what ends up happening is we. Uh, we file. A, they filed a motion to dismiss. They completely did not understand the case. They clearly show they don't understand case law uh, or anything like that. And they made. They tried to create a straw man argument, saying that we couldn't file something like this because of X, Y, and Z. Well, we laughed at it and said, "Yeah, you're right. If we were doing what you're alleging, we couldn't file it that way." But the fact of the matter is, First Amendment rules. And the First Amendment is very clear. We have a right to petition for redress of grievance, and we're going to demand that the court honor that, you know, and if they somehow figure out how to give us an unfavorable ruling, we'll appeal it. The senators and I and everybody on the team, we're already we're ready to go to the Supreme Court with this. So we're going to take this all the way and we're going to prove, like we said, either that our system is broken. We all know it's broken, but that it still works or that it's irreparable. We got to do a, we have a do over and on our hands, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think that's a real interesting question because, you know, in my day, Eric Holder, uh, DOJ, DA, they all came after Mm me. And uh, one time I had like five attorneys. I spent 75 K and they never even charged me. I've never been convicted. Uh, Dinesh, my friend, they, they convicted Uh, Flynn at the first event. uh, My wife came up to Flynn and said, Hey, what you went through with the FBI my husband went through at the DEA 10 years ago um, with Trump is the legal system seems to still work well enough that they aren't able to get this through on everybody. There's a lot of bluffs. There's a lot of bluffs with Cornetti, with the military, 
uh, never being produced. There's a lot of bluffs with the January 6th uh, where they plead as opposed to keep going. But you guys are not going to to give into that because you're, you're obviously very uh, fierce. Uh, and that's excellent. Um, but um, uh, I see this. there's some subtlety here. You, first of all, there's a lot of charges in there. I think there's, um, a, I think in your um, uh, your grand jury request, you talk about ter- terrorism. You're talking about fraud, but there's a more subtle aspect here, really, to the court. That if the court itself then denies this, then the court is showing its irrelevancy, and that may tie in, I think, to why I got I was honored to be able to announce on my Brighton show on Fridays that. Uh, Roe versus had been reversed. And I'm a product of rape, came out from the orphanage and everything. So I was like crying and everything about that. But am I correct in that you you are, there's multiple uh, levels to this. Uh, you're hitting with th- different things, but you're also saying to the court, hey, are you relevant or not? Am I correct in that? That is very astute, sir. Thank you for seeing that. Um, yes, that's the nuance, right? Either our constitution is more than an illusion. It's it's the law of the land, or it's being relegated to toilet paper by our judicial system and and by our elected our supposed elected officials. Right. So uh, we believe our constitution is one of the finest documents ever written. You know, it wasn't perfect. Nothing ever has been. You can't hold something up to the standard of somebody's supposed perfection. It's a brilliant document. The Bill of Rights, brilliant in their construction. And that is the law of the land. And we're going to make sure that we're governed by that law or that um, or that people are exposing themselves for the hypocrites they really are. But Dr. Ely, uh, President Obama on his farewell or in his farewell address clearly called it, quote, unquote, just a piece of parchment. So you're, you're taking a different position that the U.S. Constitution is not just a piece of parchment. I'm, I'm taking a, a different position on everything, Obama, at this point. Um, I actually had somebody try to give me a picture of Obama to hang in my uh, in my uh, house. And I said, do you want to talk about Yemen? Do you want to talk about all the children he killed in Yemen? And you want to have that conversation? And they were like, what are you talking about? And I said, OK, well, then if you're not ready to have that conversation, I can't receive that as a gift. And so, you know, some people just don't get it. They like the image of things. But if we're going to have an exist in a nation of laws, we have to get past the image and get into the fibers and the facts of what we really are as a country. We are a nation of good people, by and large. We are. You know, we're a nation of people that peers have lost their way. We've been misguided for the last four decades at least, you know. So we are either going to course correct or we're going to fly into a mountain. You know, I want to be one of the dudes that's helping the course correct. And, and something else you said that's really key there. I mean, I, I would say as, a, as an intelligence officer that uh, Obama was recruited by the CIA very early on. That's why he's in um, over in Pakistan uh, running around. Uh, there's lots of evidence of that. Then there's the, the, the bio, the health troops while he's uh, elected POTUS. He comes out of nowhere. I see a lot of espionage, but I worked in the espionage in the in the intelligence space. But the other thing that you said that was re- is really important, and I say this all the time, is their corruption makes them incompetent. Uh, and and the, the, if you're going to be good at anything, whether it's martial arts or firearms or horsemanship or or husbandship or fathership or whatever, mm-hmm. you got to work at it. And if you're just 
if you're just lying and being corrupt all the time, you start to become more and more incompetent. And that's that goes back uh, to the cacastrophe. Can't talk today. The leadership by the worst because they are so corrupt and they start leaving gaps. Uh, and I yep. think that's what you're approaching there is lots of gaps. And the FBI is having these gaps as they try and cover up the Mar-a-Lago thing because they're covering up. You know, there's an FBI agent who just came out and uh, his name's friend because he's a parent. He's got kids uh, as opposed to the pedos. You know, I've got kids. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, he just can't stand by for that. Uh, okay. So uh, do you agree with that is their corruption is making them incompetent and therefore they have a lot more vulnerabilities? I don't know about their corruption is making them incompetent. I think uh, I think several things. Number one, art of war. When your enemy makes a mistake, you have to let them. And then you have to punish their mistake. I mean, it's really simple. It's basic rules of engagement. Right. Um, I think, you know, what's I think their hubris is what makes them weak. I think they're cowards at heart. I think anyone who doesn't have faith in a higher power is a coward. Um, so uh, I think they're cowards. And I think. Uh, when you are reliant on so many other cowards to execute your battle plan, the only thing that can happen is disaster. You know, it's, you know, they're going to, they're, they're right now, we already see um, Redfield toning up his, uh, his rhetoric against Fauci right now. They're, they're rats on a sinking ship. So now let's make sure the ship sinks. You know, I don't want to bring it into Harbor. I don't want to try and restore it. I want their ship to sink. They have killed children. You know, this is the thing that drives me insane some nights. I read through the obituaries or Ernest Ramirez, his son was killed by the shots. He just was texting me this afternoon, right? You know, you hear the stories and the heartache of the parents who were lied to and didn't realize it in time and it cost them everything that they love. Well, I believe that we need to fight for those parents and we need to fight for the sanctity and the, the, the very soul of our nation right now. I'm just not going to fight the way my enemy wants me to fight. I'm going to fight with a lot of love. I'm going to fight with a lot of perseverance, a lot of tact, you know, and a, and a relentless nature that is let, it's going to let them know you will not take this country from these children. The people who sacrificed everything so that we can be free, they will be honored. Their memories and everything they fought and died for will be honored. You don't get to steal this country in the name of digital slavery and putting an extra dollar in a, an already bloated bank account by these pathological psychopaths that think that they can microchip everybody and that that's going to be good. This is, this is insanity. And until we all have the courage to start calling it for what it is, they're going to keep going on. These are bad children that need a spanking and I want to deliver it. Yeah, I say it. I even have a T-shirt in my shop is. It really comes down to uh, a war between baby killers and baby savers. Which side are you on? Amen. You can really simple. Are you are you a, a groomer, abuser, raper, uh, impregnator, uh, drugger of children, or are you a protector of children? Are you a pedo or are you a parent? And you That's don't even right. have to be, you know, blood. I, you know, until I had my own kids, I didn't even have any blood relatives. I had God family and. Um, so that's really what it comes down to. And I think really the uh, Roe decision um, really defined a lot of that, that even after all of this fakery, and it was all fakery uh, in Roe, um, 
that we're going to come back to truth and that they will lose because that's real, that's real bravery and that's real power. And uh, I, I love your approach and your passion. Um, so when, uh, and I'm, and I also want to say, I'm going to uh, declare right now that I'm going to uh, commit team America to working um, with uh, your team. You're a very impressive team. I'll get, uh, the Oregon team leader. I'll get uh, Team America headquarters, legal headquarters, medical in touch with you guys. We're already working with um, uh, Todd Callender at uh, Disabled Rights Advocates and Davis Yance and others uh, who are working on this front and doing great stuff. Um, you know, we, I just was at the pit where I, you know, Greg uh, Phillips had asked me to speak um, and we're working uh, with trying to get the constitutional sheriffs going. So mm-hmm. uh we will uh, support your efforts to the best of our ability um, because you're, they're fantastic. Uh, and uh, where, so where are your, is your um, uh, petition for a grand jury uh, at and don't reveal anything. You, of course you don't want to on strategy, but what happens if they're going to deny it? Um, and when are you going to hear? We're playing a really fun chess game right now. Uh, it doesn't matter what they do. I don't care. We're going to win them. We're going to beat them either way. doesn't matter. Um, if they if they uphold the First Amendment and our right to petition, great. You know, we'll beat them there. And if they don't, we have contingency plans for that to execute another uh, more aspects of our campaign. We're going to win either way. doesn't matter. Um, and what we what we do here is uh, we filed. Uh, when was this, Keith? We filed like. Uh, on the 12th, the 12th of, uh, we filed our response on the 12th. They have 14 days. So we could get a ruling as soon as the 26th. Okay. Um, we, the the, the judge could decide to hold it and sit on it forever. It, it, It really, it doesn't matter. We've got some, we've got some timelines on our, of our own. We're, we're not allowing anyone. Let me say it better. We're not here to ask for permission to do what's right. And we're not going to apologize for doing what we're doing. We're going to do everything within our means to see that justice is served and investigation befalls the people who deserve to be investigated and that they're held to the highest standards of the law. And that that we will be relentless in our pursuit. As soon as the 26th, that's interesting, because I talked a lot about the 24th, the German Mm -hmm. legislature and people, Mm -hmm. of course, said, oh, he spoke, but they were supporting the covid infodemic. So I didn't really take that to heart, but I did a whole show on talking about how the Kansas City Biolab uh, is opening up and then there's a San Antonio uh, Biolab opening up and then that's going to replace the Plum Island. And then there's a big uh, mRNA uh, back center opening up in Australia. Uh, so I think the timing for what you're doing is perfect because they want to they don't want to look too bad uh, during elections. Uh so uh, I know that your operation is uh, Operation Phoenix Rising, and it, for I posted several of your documents today on my Patreon and Locals. So there's jeffreyprather.locals.com, which is free. Patreon.com/slash Jeffrey Prather, uh, but it's uh, Stand for Health. Stand for Health Freedom um, is right. StandForHealthFreedom.com. It's where they can go to support you, right? The easiest place for people to go to start getting oriented, uh, Mr. Prather, is just to go to beyondthecon.com. Just go to, we have a one-stop shop there, go to beyondthecon.com, 
And what that'll do is there are links to Stand for Health so people can still sign on in support of our uh, grand jury petition. Um, and it's not too late for that. And uh, there's a lot of information on there to help people get oriented. You can download every document that we have filed in court so you can see what we're doing uh, as well and just get get yourself up to speed on the magnitude of this fraud. This is, this is the, this is, you know, I don't know if you're historical with the Roman empire or anything, but Cleander during the reign of Commodus, you know, this is Cleander on a a scale that I don't think anybody, even the worst people ever to exist dreamed was possible. Um, Cleander is a person who tried to keep the grain supply from the uh, from the people of Rome, it, plagues broke out, and uh, and ultimately it was revealed because the truth always comes out that he was at the center of it, and he got torn to pieces, and not a shred of his body was ever found. Um, and I think you know we're in one of those situations yet again. Yeah, I I often say, in fact, I just posted uh, again on my on my sites um, revolutionary strategies in early Christianity, where it took about uh, three hundred years uh, for. Uh, Christianity to overtake the Roman en- Empire to outlove them. Uh, talking about that in detail, and that's got a great uh, response, very much in line um, uh, with what you are saying. Uh, and uh, so, but I want to, if you don't know, so I, I've said, you know, I was a DA special agent. I sat at the front table with AUSA's assistant United States attorney when I put drug dealers in federal prison for 30 years. So there's uh, an investigation, and there's still some confusion. Uh, you know, uh, my good friend Harry was saying, "Hey, there's a case open." Uh, well, yeah, there would on Trump. There would never have been a affidavit or a warrant without a case already being open. There has to be a case file first. Sometimes you open them and then you close them, but you've got to open one. There's at least three to five uh, on Trump going. But what happens is then the investigator, and I was in 1811, I was a DEA special agent, 1811 criminal investigator. Um, and, you know, I do my investigation, I put my case together, and then eventually I would submit it to uh, an assistant United States attorney because uh, I was federal. So that's kind of what you've got here going on, uh, I right. think. Uh, with Dr. with a little bit more punch. I think with a little bit more punch, though, Mr. Prather, because the U.S. grand jury has the power not only to investigate, they have, they have the power to indict. And that's and, oh, yeah. and that's and that would be the thing. Like, I think in your scenario, you would still be dependent upon the district attorney or the U.S. attorney to indict them. Is that correct? Yeah, but we used to say you could indict a ham sandwich. I could indict my grandma. That's I mean, true. That's true. I probably did 300 grand juries, and there was only one that didn't go. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Um, now, when they've tried to indict me, it hasn't worked uh, mm-hmm. because they lied. But my point here is that I, Keith is kind of like the investigator, I think. Uh, and I wanted to um, tie into, uh, if if, uh, if you're okay with that, Dr. Ely, um, is into the um, edify critical nexus between Twitter uh, and uh, the law firm Wilson, Sotheny, Goodrich, and Rosati. The Biden White House, the Obama White House, James Baker, Alexander uh, McGillivray, and VJ Gade, because this is now the investigative end. And this is what I say all the time is Twitter and TikTok, those are storefronts for espionage. And the 
And the people working for them are all ex-spooks. They're all ex-CIA, FBI. They're not social media sites, just like in the Terminal List recently, um, which was made into a movie, which is a book by a former CEO. He goes, your iPhone is a tracking device with a telephone feature. Uh, it's the same thing with Twitter and, and TikTok. Um, can we switch over to that now? 100%, please. So, Keith, I want you to tie in, because I thought this was amazing work well, because you've shown how uh, how uh, the deep state's dark economy. So I always say the deep state or the double state, uh, part of the global cabal, their dark economy is people, weapons, uh, and drugs. They've now had a weaponized, drugged person, uh, and they are trying to make a new uh, economy off of information. You know, of course, that's that is all uh, big data, big tech, but with uh, big pharma comes the jab where the person becomes the big information source too. They become uh, the cell phone. And I think your work here with Edify, putting all these pieces together, uh, looks it looks like an investigative file to me um, or an intelligence uh, target package, depending on what you're talking about there. So uh, first, Tell us about Edify and then tell us about all of that, please. Yes, sir. So the, the political moonshine stuff is what I do out of my own personal interest. Um, if I do work for clients, I, I work under the Edify name. Um, and so I think it's there's an important distinction here that, that bears mentioning and that I did not uncover this work. I'm working with an attorney on a, uh, a prominent national case. Um, and this is this is her case. She's she's representing a client here. So I'm serving those people. And so I'm not really in a, in a position to expand beyond what's in the article found on the Edify website. But I think um, the, the thing for for your audience to perhaps do is just to, to look at the article um, and to examine the connections, because what we think we've uncovered is a direct overlay to the enterprise fraud that's ongoing uh, with COVID-19. And in um, specifically speaking, the central node to all of this is Twitter, right? And we know that Twitter is a, um, a gateway of public in, uh, information. And we know, uh, as it's been widely reported, that Twitter has censored conservative beliefs. They've, they've censored accurate and reliable information and documentation as it relates to COVID-19. And so for, for that to occur, there had to be some form of a network, right? A network of people who have access to the right things at the right times and the right places where they can bear down and they can control the flow of information. And through this attorney's work and her case file, what we think we have uncovered is I don't even know how to how to put it in magnitude. It's 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 big, and so I would I would suggest that with central uh, Twitter as the central node, the first thing we need to look at is the law firm of Wilson, Sassini, Goodrich, and Rosati. Right, that particular firm threads top to bottom in all of this, and it threads right through the heart of Twitter. And what we've learned is that a central player out of that particular law firm by the name of Alexander McGillivray 
served in the Obama administration uh, respective to uh, the position of technology and science and the ability to propagate that type of information, right? So it would it would cast its shadow over Twitter and it would cast its shadow um, over the content that would play out on Twitter. And so what McGillivray does is he starts out in the uh, Obama administration and then he cycles through to places like Twitter and Google and, um, you know, those those big tech uh, players, and then he th- cycles right back to Joe Biden's administration, and he currently serves as their CTO, their uh, chief technology officer, and so he's a common thread through all of this. And what we found, um, as it relates to so, Twitter, let me just is stop that, you there for one so that so right there, that's the bio digital weapon weaponry connection there, the data collection of using the websites of Twitter, of Google, of your cell phones, of, and then the jab with the boosters, the operating systems, those are the collection systems for the storefront uh, in espionage. And he's the general counsel for Google, for, Ob- for Obama, for all these. He's the legal cover for all of that. I just want yeah, to... The, the Wilson Sassini firm... Yeah, yes, sir. The Wilson Sassini firm represents Twitter on all corporate disclosures. So... They thread through, they thread through Twitter. They thread through. Importantly, they also thread through a Canadian pharmaceutical company called Arbutus. Arbutus is um, critically important because they held the rights, along with another Canadian pharmaceutical company, they held the rights to two specific patents that tie to the lipid nanoparticle envelope. And really, the 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 bellwether research here would be Dr. David E. Martin's work. He's He's the, the expert in all of this. Um, and that's where this, this information sources from. And so what's, what's really important about this lipid nanoparticle envelope is that if the patent rights are not secured, there are no vaccines. Like they can't roll the vax, they cannot roll out these mRNA quote unquote vaccines without the lipid nanoparticle envelope. And so the research, the broader research into COVID tells us that there were two initial phases to the pandemic. The first phase, which is completely unsustainable as the evidence bears out now, was that they were harvesting comorbidity data from places like flu, pneumonia, heart disease, disease, diabetes, and obesity, like we talked about my first time around. Well, you can only do that for so long before people catch on. We caught on, obviously. The second phase of the pandemic was the mRNA phase and the biological and medical implications of receiving that shot and the reverse transcription process, the uptake of the uh, mRNA, the alteration of human DNA, and the conversion to the human body then producing its own S1 spike protein. The evidence bears out now that what we're seeing is that the overwhelming majority of cases for hospitalizations, deaths, et cetera, are the vaccinated. So this is the second phase, right? That's what we're living through now. And so that's why that's why Wilson Sassini is so important. They rep, they overlap all of this in the representation of Arbutus. Arbutus held the patents, two of those patents that were necessary um, in order to roll this entire construct out. If they don't get those patents, they're dead in the water. And so it it's the network. Again, Twitter's at the central node, but really the main branch of this is Wilson Sassini. 
and Alex McGillivray and how he threads top to bottom through both administrations. And then what we come to find out, understanding that Rahm Emanuel is the current ambassador to Japan, uh, American user Twitter data was sold to the U.S., I'm sorry, the Japanese Tourism Board. And so we have intermediaries that are tightly connected through this network to the Obama administration. They go through Ari Emanuel. Um, and there's direct linkage to two Chinese. And when I say Chinese-owned companies, let's be very specific. Because if you're in China and you're operating in these domains, you are a CCP organization and there's no other way around it. And so these private State companies. Capital. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so they they specialize in um, artificial intelligence and they specialize in facial recognition. So you start to compound these things and you understand that there was a backflow of American Twitter user data through this network that we've established through Twitter, through Wilson, Sassini, Goodwich and Rosati. And what it boils down to is the capacity of China to receive all of this information and then build individual profiles on every single American who has a Twitter account. So, yeah, so what on, that means on, with artificial intelligence, with quantum analysis and facial recognition means that you can track everybody. So in my day, when I went, when I worked with the, when I was in the DIA and I worked with the defense cover service, it was pretty simple is you took one photo, put it on another passport to bring a spy in. But that, but I, as I was leaving back in the day, cause I'm a dinosaur now, this was uh, 04. They're like, oh, this facial recognition stuff changes everything. You can't just take off one photo and put it on a different passport now. Mm-hmm. You can, you've, you've got problems now. And China has – so, th- again, this is biodigital espionage mm-hmm. done by the Chinese through traders. But this also ties back in uh, to uh, the illegal cases – uh, because of the because of the law firm be, being involved in this uh, mm-hmm. as well, C- correct? Have I, have I got all that right? Yes, sir. I believe so. And I think there are some other important angles that Americans need to familiarize themselves with. This entire network, um, and you'll see it in the and the uh, the graphic illustrations and in the the text of the article. Um, they engaged in the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop. Which I just in 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 throughout the entire Hunter Biden laptop story, all the U.S. former intelligence officers signing off saying that it was misinformation, disinformation, etc. During all of that, it was completely and entirely laughable because through connections with Garrett Ziegler, I was holding, I had a copy of that hard drive the entire time that these people are saying that it was misinformation, disinformation, um, and so. This this particular network actively suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop. And as it bears down on COVID and overlays our case in Wilson, Sassini, Goodrich, Rosati, et cetera, there's a very important connection directly to the Biden White House and it's Metabiota. Metabiota, that firm is directly tied to U.S. Department of Defense biolabs that are located in Ukraine and that are engaged in all this gain of function and bioweaponization. And that's why they suppressed that laptop. And Wilson, Sassini, Goodrich, and Rosati is at the heart of it. The the 46 biolabs that the uh, DOD finally admitted through the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which they're moving out of Ukraine because Putin is interdicting them, and they're moving into Asia. That's where Pelosi went after Taiwan. uh, uh, Did a big show on that. But who is uh, Chinese American Nicole Wong? 
And why was she on the Biden White House transition team? Pardon me? So in your article, you talk about Nicole Wong, who was in the uh, Biden White House transition team, uh, and that she appears to have set the course for McCullery's trajectory. And she cycled through Twitter, Google, Obama, and the Biden administrations. Then she joined Biden's transition agency review team uh, related to the National Security Council, the Office of Science and Technology. So for me, because I was a human, I was in human intelligence, it's real easy. All intelligence is really human. So yeah, there's SIGINT, there's OSINT. Uh, this AI, facial recognition, satellite stuff is some kind of quantum OSINT, but it all comes back to human. And she looks like the, the, the intelligence officer right there. She looks mm-hmm. like the thousand talents, Chinese uh, common thread running through that. And you've pointed her mm-hmm. out clearly. Yes, sir. I, we just identified her. Um, we didn't, I'll put it this way. Um, I, I haven't taken the work into her beyond a veneer level. So we identified her for, for what we said. She appears to be like the archetype for McGillivray. She, she happened to precede him and go through the same general positions and the same um, general lineage through, you know, places like Google, Twitter, et cetera. And so all we're saying there is that she gives the appearance of having set the course for McGillivray so that, um, and, and if you'll remember, she was brought back in a transition capacity. And what I believe her purpose there was, um, was to make sure that McGillivray, when, when he came through the Biden transition team, that he had a smooth transition. You know, he had served in that capacity before. Um, she was the forerunner in that capacity before him. And so she's there to bring him in, get him situated and make sure that he hits the ground running. And so that is theoretical, but that's, I mean, you just look at the evidence and take it on its face. That's what it looks like. And so you're doing this investigative work for uh, an an attorney that you're doing research for very typical. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah. Just like I would have done or, or um, a private attorney would have a private investigator, uh, doing that. But it's really interesting to me uh, that Putin uh, keeps exposing through his uh, military um, tribunals uh, and uh, UN Security Council uh, speeches. He keeps exposing the bioweapons through Ukraine, uh, mm-hmm. through the United States. And, and he's really not picking on the United States. He's not even picking on and he's not even picking on uh, the Republicans or Trump. He's he's very specifically targeting the Democratic Party uh, and the left in this. And at the same time, Xi just uh, linked up with Putin, which means Putin's doing really well because all of a sudden he wants to negotiate as opposed to fight him. He goes, yeah, we're we're against those biolabs too, which is hilarious when, of course, everything, are, well, it goes from Dietrich to Harvard to Canada to the military games to, to Wuhan. But uh, really, the biodigital weaponry, just like fentanyl, which is different than cocaine or heroin, which I did cases on, mm-hmm. which is trafficking. Fentanyl is simply weaponry, um, which is different than the jab. But they're saying, yeah, we got to go against these uh, U.S. and Ukraine biolabs. Uh, but don't look over here. I, I find that I, fascinating. Any comments on that? Yeah, I think it's. Yes, sir. I, I think it's important for Americans to remember that. Putin and President Trump found common ground. 
they found common ground in two primary ways. They're both nationalists. They'll do anything for their country, right? Putin wants to restore Mother Russia, just like Dr. Ely and our time and our team want to restore America. And so there's that element. And the second element of common ground was they're both very much opposed to the deep state intrusion uh, in their country, just like we are in ours. And so I have a really hard time viewing Putin through a lens that's not that. And I think that what he is doing is not an invasion. I think it's a special operation. It doesn't resemble a military operation the way you would expect a military operation to unfold in in traditional ways. It just doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like that on its surface. It doesn't look like that when you start digging beneath it. And so I think you're exactly right in your assessment that, and whether or not it's intentional, I don't know, but I think you're exactly right in your assessment that the actions that Putin is taking directly target the Democratic Party. And I and, and while we're on it, let's just be real clear. There's no such thing as Democrats and Republicans. Those are that's that's nothing more than two corrupt sides of the same coin, right? And as soon as Americans come to grip with come to grips with the fact that they've been betrayed by the overwhelming majority of their political leaders, that's when we'll start making progress. Um, and that's that's how I I characterize it. And I think your assessment is spot on. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not, I, so I never say Putin's in a good guy. I say the enemy of my enemy is my ally, just like Trump is no mm-hmm. saint. Uh, but the enemy of my enemy is my ally. And in Trump and Putin, who became allies against the deep state. And you're right. So, and they both share a common background is they're really rich. They're really successful. They got everything. Well, where do I do? What do I do next? Well, for Trump, it's, well, I could defend the American people. That could be my legacy. And for Putin, it's like, well, I could defend the Russian people. That's my legacy. So I I see a, a, a great similarity um, there, which is very different um, than what I see happening uh, with China uh, and the deep state uh, mm-hmm. with all of that failing. But uh, this has been a fascinating uh, uh, interview uh, and I'm really, really impressed with everything you are doing. I guess I should say this week uh, it has changed. Putin just, uh, and of course, in the propaganda press, you don't hear this, but you got to really dig. But the Duma, the Russian uh, parliament, really asked uh, Putin to change what was going on. And uh, they're saying that they're conscripting and everything. But um, it looks like it's now going to not uh, any longer a special military operation, denazification, demilitarization, which was our World War II allied language, because mm-hmm. uh, Russia uh, liberated Holocaust camps too. Don't like to admit it, but they did. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, to a full military operation, the call up of three hundred thousand, because Putin has now realized that the Ukraine is not a free agent; that they must continue to do this. Now the war is really going to be on. That's, that is a huge inflection point and a huge uh, change. And the other thing that people got to remember is uh, we lost like 450,000 dead and wounded in World War II. Uh, Russia, the, the correct figures, not the popular figures, but the correct figures are about 45 million. And mm-hmm. everybody in Russia, uh, remembers the horrors of the Nazis and uh, nobody is going to let that happen for 
for Americans, it's kind of vague. Arizona, there were Nazis walking around on farms uh, because it was over in Europe, just like, but that is not an, uh, anywhere of an end point. This is just a beginning point. So I will, just I, I will tell people right now. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I would suggest to people right now, if they ever wondered how the, uh, how the Holocaust unfolded and how it was that German citizens stood idly by and watched their government pack up their countrymen, put them on trains and roll them out to be exterminated. Just look around you. You're living through it. It's the same. It's the same propaganda as Dr. Ely touched on. It's the same tactics. And like, if you really want to dig into it and start looking at lineage and people and families in a lot of ways, it's the same people. And so it, it is like, I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, I am, I have an enormous amount of respect for the people we're doing battle with. What they have put together is as nefarious as it is efficient, uh, watertight. I mean, it's an unbelievable construct what they have done. It is absolutely and truly remarkable. And it's just rooted in complete and sheer evil. And it is, it is, it's almost like a, um, well, I'll say this on May 6th of 2020, I declared Trump a, a wartime president and said that we were in the midst of an, an irregular, asymmetrical and undeclared war that adheres to Chinese doctrine and their stated military doctrine of bio warfare. And I'm not moving off of that. And it just happens to look exactly like the Holocaust, but in a different way. So if people want to understand how World War II and the Holocaust unfolded, look around you because you're living through it. Hey, Keith, who yes, was sir. the first country to use bio-warfare in United their States. conquests? Nope. First country to use it was China. When you go there through go. China's history, they were taking people that were infected by the plague, dead bodies and so forth, putting them on catapults and launching them over their enemies' walls. All right. The first country to do it was China. It's not a surprise that Chinese are the first to do this on this scale here. It's what the big problem I have, and I haven't substantiated this, so um, please verify, uh, is that the lipid nanoparticle is manufactured in China. Hmm. Um, I've been hearing some whispers around that, and it just is, if that does play out to be true, is mind-boggling that we would educate them on how to do gain of function from you know the pathway that you referred to, Mr. Prather, and then send American taxpayer dollars, more of them, over to sanction the contracts. It's look, if we really want to get down to this, the investigation for treasonous acts has to be discussed. You know, I mean, you just have to, it's difficult to look at it any other way. I mean, this is just what, these are crimes against humanity. This is massive treason. It's got the Nazi playbook. It's got the Chinese historical tactics in warfare. It, it's got so many fingerprints on it. And if, what do we know about people who've been successful with tactics before? You keep using the same tastic, tactics. In football, you keep running the ball until the other team shows you that they can stop it. Right. I mean, it's not rocket science we're talking about here. Right. So it, it's well, just that, in my mind. The uh, Pete Blaber, former uh, I've tried to get him on the show too. Uh, squad Delta squadron commander wrote the, wrote a great book called the mission of the men and me. And he talks about plans are useless. Planning is invaluable. Develop the situation, but they're, 
they've stuck to a plan because their hires are giving them a plan to stay with. On D, yeah, I say at the beginning of some of my show intros, uh, it, this makes D Day look like child's play. Uh, mm -hmm. The depth of what they've done. Welcome to the vaccination showers. Uh, indigenous tribes uh, lifespan now is seven uh, years less than it was before the pandemic. Uh, of course, lots of Jews are signing up uh, again as usual for this. Uh, so, uh, but the interesting thing here is, is that right now, uh, Xi is negotiating and aligning with Putin uh, while uh, Soros and Schwab are trying to turn on Putin and Xi, uh, and Putin is pushing back. Eventually, they will screw tape each other uh, in all regards. I'm talking, of course, C.S. Lewis screw tape, uh, where we'll, we'll continue to come together because uh, uh, we will be crucibled uh, through all of this, which, which I think you guys demonstrate excellently. Well, um, well so China, there might be a concern there honestly, if we're getting into strategy, right? One of Chinese, one of, one of the Chinese approaches is to make friends with your most dangerous enemy. All right. And for a while we were the most dangerous enemy and they made, but if you make friends with your most dangerous enemy, that's also closest Russia, right? Then it does position you to turn your focus to a weakened enemy across the seas. And it's well, something China, we're aware of right now. China was our ally in World War II, and they said, hey, sorry, we got to come after now, but we're, we're collapsing. Our economy is falling apart because they're not developing any middle class, which is what they were promised through all the business. But the business stays, instead of having a middle class, it all stays uh, through the state. And so mm -hmm. China, there's bank revolts within 300 miles uh, of Beijing. So they're in trouble uh, with that. And China and uh, Russia have always fought. They've always fought on the border. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just like China is also fighting India. So China's collapsing and being squeezed right now. Uh, Russia is going strong, growing stronger. Ukraine is fading. The United States tyranny uh, is fading. Uh, and at some point, there'll be an inflection point because mm. Putin just said, hey, I'm not going to rule out nuclear weapons. I think that's more bluster because nuclear weapons, with genetic specified weapons, nuclear weapons and mutually assured des destruction doctrine is irrelevant. That's why. So, you know, I, I find it interesting, too, that uh, Zelensky is already out in front talking about issues with uh, thermonuclear reactors and them potentially not being stable coming back online and the potential for like a leak of radiation. And it's almost like they're they're putting a nuclear pretext in front of something that they know is coming. That's just what it smells like. I, it's just what it smells like. Mm -hmm. and well, they've saying it. But the problem with that is, though, uh, no one is rallying. They're, the rally around the flag famine is not happen, phenomenon is not happening with Biden. Nobody's and all the veterans are, are leaving. Uh, you know, real war becomes very precarious. And we're, we're fighting through proxies through Ukraine and special operations troops and plainclothes troops, which I'm very familiar with uh, in Ukraine. But if you come to real war, then all bets are off and you may not be able to hold on. The, and the Biden regime is barely uh, in charge of anything. The seventh floor of the FBI has now been infiltrated by whistleblowers saying, hey, they brought phones into the skiff, just like they brought phones 
uh, into Mar-a-Lago, into this gift in Mar-a-Lago. All, all that is collapsing. Um, but I will, uh, I really appreciate both of you and please uh, wrap up and also give out where we can reach you and support you. Um, Dr. Ely? Uh, yeah, as we said earlier, beyondthecon.com, beyondthecon.com is the best place to go. Um, we, uh, you can sign on in support of our grand jury um, petition. We, we do like to show strength in numbers. We have, I think, over now over 200,000 people in the country, 200,000 Americans have signed on in support of it. Um, it's also wow. a place uh, to donate. If you uh, if if you if you have the resources, the means, and the heart to do it, we appreciate it. I tell everybody the same thing. I have made absolutely zero dollars on anything COVID. I will not take a penny of this blood money uh, under any circumstances. All the money that gets donated goes directly to support the grand jury work, support the teams that are doing it, and to support families who are being injured and have been injured and left behind by the shots. So, um, you know, you can. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with who do we trust these days, right? I'd say vet us out, you know, and we'll we'll pass the smell test, I'm sure of it. But we do appreciate anybody who can donate, and that's at beyondthecon.com. I, I will get that up. I didn't have that one up. But uh, Keith, anything, any closing remarks? Uh, just thank you for your time, Mr. Prather. It's always nice to, to come on and have a chance to speak with you, and I appreciate your perspective. I always learn new things when I come on your show. Um, look forward to maybe doing it again. Um, if people want to follow along, um, I'm, I'm back to coaching football. I haven't done that in a while, so it's cut into my, my writing time, but I'm still putting out quite a bit of stuff on the political moonshine website from time to time. Um, the edify website will have stuff as clients allow me to publish it. That's politicalmoonshine.com and edify.com. And uh, I gotta edify say you guys, really, first of all, you guys really talk military well, but you don't cuss enough. You got to, you got to say frack every other word. <laughs> well, hey, man, I don't know if we can do that. If, if it's weapons free, let's roll. Yeah, no, we're, no, we're no, on the no. air. I can weave a tapestry like nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much. Um, I really am impressed and honored and going to support you and, and commit Team America to working with you guys. Um, so fear not, God bless, keep the faith and hold fast. We are winning. This is what winning looks like. But remember, freedom is never given. It is earned. It is won. It is fought for. It is taken. So take it.